Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Here we go, Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to SST on Apple Podcasts, app Spotify, where we listen to podcasts. We appreciate you the same. And I must say, on a personal note, I have actually made the switch recently, about 85% to this point, of listening to my podcast, not mine as in Subway Sports Talk, but the ones I listen to, on Spotify. New for me. So far, so good. I'm pretty happy. The transferability from device to device is very nice during the commute. Then you get to work and just, it's, it's seamless. So that's a plug, I guess, for Spotify that if they didn't ask for, deserve, maybe, maybe they do deserve it. Shout out to Spotify. Listen to the podcast there too. Why not? But uh, this is a great episode because obviously it is literally draft day right now. Thursday, draft day, A Wiggins, you know what it is. And I must say... It's actually Thursday. I'm not recording this on Wednesday night, though it feels like Wednesday night because I'm still up. It is Tuesday, Thursday morning at 2 a.m. I'm already losing it, but I'm excited. And I got a lot of things to say in a short amount of time because I need to go to sleep at some point, right? But I got into a rabbit hole mixed in with a couple episodes of Yellowstone to be a good boyfriend as well as because that show is freaking awesome. Shout out to Yellowstone. That's a great show. And then after I watched a few episodes of that, I went into deep rabbit holes on this NBA draft with some research that I'm about to hit you guys with that I think you'll enjoy and it'll help you understand this whole draft thing just a little bit. It helped me a lot and it helped me take in this like wealth of information that we get that's almost impossible to understand what's good, what's bad, what's possible, what's impossible, what's likely, what's not, right? So we're going to get into that and what that basically means is I dug through each of the last six drafts and I broke it down by top 10, 11 to 20, 21 to 30, and then second round. And I calculated that between hits, serviceable players, and misses. Now, obviously, there are a few cases, in the, especially in the most two recent drafts, where there's guys who maybe look the part and look good, but haven't played enough due to injury or whatever, or they just burst on the scene at the end of last year. So maybe some guys have some asterisks, But trust me, overall, I think this is very accurate. I will walk you through that in a little bit because it gives you a really good idea of what happens every year for the past five or six, well, the past six years based off what I did in the top 10, in the lottery, in the the teens, in the 20s, in the second round. Because everybody talks about all these opportunities and all these first round picks and all these second round picks that these teams accumulate all the time, right? And you're going to hear, you know, percentage-wise, hit for hit, miss for miss, serviceable player for serviceable player, what actually happens and what's real and possible, possibly for your favorite team, possibly for the teams that you're interested in, just in general if you're a draft fan like myself. Um, But first, before I get into that, we are also going to dive into the Knicks here at the end because I think those two things go hand-in-hand with the Knicks picking at 19 and 21. Obviously, those are very close, but we'll hear what happens in the teens and in the 20s, and we'll apply that to the Knicks to see what we think might happen there or might what might be the best opportunity. 
for them. And first and foremost, I just want to say Joey Gallo to the Yankees. Don't know if it's officially confirmed yet, but that is the strong word on the street. There's agreements, but they're just technicalities need to be worked out. The, the, the initial thing I have to say about that, and it's the only thing I have to say about that, is for some reason Yankee fans are, are saying something like, yeah, he's just another Aaron Judge. Three outcomes, blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, is that bad? Is that, what? Like, don't ever say he's like Aaron Judge in a negative way. He's your best player, right? Now, Joey Gallo is far from perfect. He's actually made great strides in his on-base percentage and not just hitting for power and hitting monster bombs, which he does so beautifully. So, you know, tread lightly on what you're saying there because you don't want to compare the new guy to your best player and make it some sort of negative. Now, I understand you want somebody to hit for average. You need a little bit more diversity in your approach in that lineup for the Yankees. But you just got Joey Gallo. The Yankees took a swing at this thing, and you might have a guy who peppers the short porch in right field before you know it on the New York Yankees. So, initial reaction, I think you could be pretty happy about this one. And that's all I have to say about that. All right, here we go. It's time to go into the NBA draft thing here. I don't know what to call it. It's NBA round-by-round round breakdown over the past six years. I gave you the lowdown before. I started at 2015. I went right up to last year. Now, obviously, there are moments in the 2020 draft where you're looking at players like someone like Killian Hayes, who got hurt two weeks into his career. It was ugly for the first two weeks. Then he missed a while. He came back and looked okay. Are we going to call him a hip? Absolutely not. Are we going to call him serviceable? I want to, but I'm not going to do that. So a guy like Killian Hayes is going to be in a miss right now. So you got to understand there's, you know, one or two data points that could be moved, but in the grand scheme, it's hardly, hardly going to swing the percentages. And that's what we're going to get to at the end. So with that being said, let's go back to 2015. A pretty famous draft, especially one, Famous draft for uh, the the likes of Knicks fans due to Kristaps Porzingis being involved. So let's talk about this first. What I'm going to do, I'm going to talk about the top 10, 11 to 20, 21 to 30, and the second round. I'm not going to read every single name because that's going to be tiresome. And like I said, it's 2 a.m. Let's get started. So in 2015, we had three hits in the top 10 of the first round. That included Cat. I'm calling D'Angelo Russell a hit. I know it's been iffy lately, but he's a hit. He was an all-star. He's played in playoff games, whatever. Chris Ops Porzingis, same concept. Up and down injuries, but he's a hit. And you got serviceable guys like Will Cauley-Stein, Frank Kaminsky, Justice Winslow. That's three. And then four misses, Jaleel Okafor. Mario Hazonia, Emmanuel Moutier, Stanley Johnson. And you're going to see this trend now as we move on through the first round. For every hit, it seems like there's a couple guys who absolutely whiff. Some drafts are obviously better than others, and we'll discuss where we think this draft lands in that regard. So moving on to the, the teens, or the 11 through 20 range of 2015, you had three hits, four serviceable players, and three misses. Those hits included Miles Turner, Devin Booker, and Terry Rozier. Some of the serviceable players included Trey Lyles, Campaign, DeLon Wright. Three misses, however, Rashad Vaughn, who? Sam Decker, Jerry and Grant. Jerry and Grant's a guy who came to the Knicks in the beginning of his career, and we thought he might be okay. Turns out, big ol' whiff, right? And that's why 2020, the most recent draft, is going to be hard to decipher on some names here. But you're starting to see the idea. In the top 10, a 
couple hits, couple serviceable, couple misses. In the mid-range, couple hits, couple serviceable, couple misses. 21 to 30, however, this is where things get a little bit interesting, but you'll see the trend as, as time goes on. You had two hits, three serviceable players, and five misses. That seems to make sense, right? You had a couple hits, couple serviceable, couple hits, couple serviceable, less hits, less serviceable in the 20 to 30 range. And then this was a unique draft where there was five players in the second round who hit. Now, remember, I'm not breaking down the second between 31 to 40, 40 to 50, 50 to 60, whatever. I'm just doing second round completely. There was five hits. Montrez Harrell, Rashawn Holmes, Josh Richardson, Pat Connaughton, Norm Powell. That's five guys. Sounds pretty good, right? That's five out of 30 players in the second round were hits. We had two serviceable players, Chetty Osman and Willie Hernan Gomez, and what I'm calling 23 misses. Guys who just are not in the league anymore, never made it into the league, or had a cup of coffee. We thought they might be something. They were out before we knew it, right? So 23 misses in the second round. Let's move to 2016. We actually had six hits in the top 10 on this 2016 draft, which is incredible. That's the second highest of my count in the past six drafts here in the NBA. Those include Ben Simmons, Brandon Ingram, Jalen Brown, which were the top three picks, and then you had Buddy Heald, Jamal Murray, and I'm calling Jakob Pertl a hit based off of the defensive impact, the win shares that he has accumulated over the course of time, and he might be a hit just based off the fact that he was traded for Kawhi Leonard and brought the Raptors a championship. Shout out to Jakob Pertl. But in this top 10 here, there were no serviceable players. So it went from six hits, zero serviceable players. That's the only segment of any of the segments that I've done here, top 10, 11, 20, 21, 30, of any of the six years that had zero at any spot. So zero serviceable players in this top 10. And you want to know why? Because you had four big old whiffs. Dragon Bender, Chris Dunn, maybe there's still a chance. Marquise Chris, not great. Maybe a little bit of juice. Some doesn't count. He's a mess. Thumb maker. So there it is. The tale of two tapes right there. You get Ben Simmons, Brandon Ingram, Jalen Brown as your top three picks. The Suns go Dragon Bender. And you're just like, ooh, that's that's not good. That did not go well. That was a very failed experiment. And then you get guys like Buddy Heal, Jamal Murray, Jakob Pertle. Now, does this mean that teams shouldn't take a swing on a guy like Dragon Bender? And you might think of the guy Alperin Sengun, who's in the current draft. He's not anything like Dragon Bender as a player, but everybody likes to compare these international players and I'm, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say that's not exactly it because we're, we're going to get there. 11 to 20 in the 2016 draft. We had three hits. Another nice little number there. You get three hits in 11 to 20. It feels right. You get three serviceable players and you get four misses. Some of those hits in 11 to 20, however, were very good. And ironically, it was the 11th pick, DeMontis Sabonis, and the 20th pick, Kyrus Levert. I also threw in Malik Beasley, who I think was 17, who, in my opinion, he may not be a hit like Jamal Murray's a hit. He may not be a hit like Ben Simmons is a hit. But in that 11 to 20 range, you get Malik Beasley, and you're very happy that's a hit. On the serviceable front, we got guys like Turian Prince, Juancho Hernan Gomez, and Denzel Valentin. Valentin and Hernan Gomez could probably be called misses, but then you think about some of the guys who are actually misses, and you go, no, 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 those guys are actually serviceable. They can play. Because the misses include guys like Giorgios Papayanis. Remember him? 
Gaberson, Yabuselli, who's played some some minutes here for the Celtics, but what has he really done? Wayne Baldwin, Henry Ellenson. That's what you're playing with here. You're playing with absolute fire. And it doesn't seem to just be in these 11 to 20 range, in the 21 to 30 range. It happens in the first round too. But how frequently? Let's continue. 21 to 30 in the 2016 draft had just two hits. Pascal Siakam and DeJounte Murray, ironically, the 27th and 30th pick in that range. So all these other dudes who went before them, not hits. That being said, we have some serviceable players in this range of 2016. DeAndre Bembry, Ante Zizic, Timothy Luau-Cabro, Furkan Korkmaz, Scalabissier, and Damian Jones. These are all guys, when you hear the name, you might not even know them unless you're a bigger NBA fan. But you look at their, their track record, and they play meaningful minutes for their teams year in, year out. They're still in the league. They're still parts of rosters that are planning to give them minutes moving forward. They're serviceable. And you got misses, of course. But just two misses in this 21 to 30 range. Malachi Richardson, Bryce Johnson. Who? Second round, just two hits. Ivaka uh, Zubats and Malcolm Brogdon. I would call Brogdon a great hit. And then you got five serviceable guys, which is pretty solid. Here for a second round, check Diallo, Pat McCall, who I really didn't want to put in there, but technically he won two championships and played like some minutes. So, hey, serviceable second round pick, Patrick McCall, Jake Lehman, Georges Niang, and Abdel Nader. Those are the types of players that you're mostly looking at here when you're talking about second round. So, again, just to keep thinking about this, when you're talking about your team and you're talking about, oh, let's trade out of this and go into the second round, like, oh, we... The Knicks can say, we got Mitchell Robinson in the second round. Like, we know what we're doing there. The numbers are literally telling you here that in 2015, you had five hits and two serviceable, 23 misses. In the 2016, you had two hits, five serviceable, 23 misses. So that's part of the trend here in the second round. We all get excited about these picks. We all hype our team up that we're going to make the right one. But how often does it really happen? Let's move to 2017. In the top 10 of 2017, we had four hits. Not a bad number, perhaps. Lonzo Ball, Jason Tatum, De'Aaron Fox, and Larry Markkinen. Now, I think you could possibly argue that Jonathan Isaac can make it to the hits, but for now, let's call him serviceable. There's three serviceable players out of 2017. Markel Fultz, who you could call an absolute bust. I'm not going to do that because he's found his way into a role in the NBA, and if he wasn't injured last year, we could have called it a comeback season for Markel Fultz, making it into an NBA rotation consistently and making an impact. So three serviceable players in 2017's top 10, Markel Fultz, Jonathan Isaac, Zach Collins. All three of those guys were fringe hits, except for injuries play a big role. They haven't got on the field, on the field, on the court, and uh, it makes their worth really hard to judge at this point. And you got three misses. I hate to say it. One's Josh Jackson, and two, Nick's great. Uh, I couldn't even say that with any spirit. Frank Nilakina in 2017 and Dennis Smith Jr. As much as I want to say Frank is serviceable, none of the actual statistics can back that up. Do I think he could become serviceable? Absolutely. I am not selling my Frankie Smoke stock. I ain't going to do it. You ain't going to catch me doing it. But for now, we must call him a miss. Let's move to 11 to 20. There are four hits in 11 to 20. Remember, four hits in the top 10. I'm calling four hits in 11 to 20. Donovan Mitchell, Luke Kennard, Bam Adebayo, and John Collins. If you want to argue Luke Kennard's not on the same level of a hit, then 
Lonzo Tatum, Fox, and Laurie Markkinen? Sure, but he's relatively close to an output standpoint to Laurie Markkinen. And yes, you picked Luke Kennard right before Donovan Mitchell, but that's not what we're doing right now, right? That's not what we're doing. We're saying that Kennard has been a hit in this range compared to his peers, compared to the uh, the players in years prior, years after, etc. And you get from those four hits, you add on five serviceable players in 11 to 20 in the 2017 draft. That includes Malik Monk, Justin Jackson, and then three guys I have with asterisks who have played enough minutes, who have done enough to impact and not be absolute bums, but there's been injuries, there's been DMPs, and there's a lot of their story to be told. Those guys include DJ Wilson, TJ Leaf, and Harry Giles, guys who you can still see in the league playing a role over the course of the next couple of years despite their lackluster starts. They've shown enough for me to consider them serviceable. Now, that leaves only one miss in the 11-20 to 20 range of the 2017 draft. That's Justin Patton, and his name's not important here. The important part is, if you're talking about serviceability, we just had five guys there. We had four hits. That means nine players are playing meaningful minutes on their teams. They're still in the league four years later, and they plan to be in the league for another five to seven years. That's impressive. 2017, if you think about the four guys in the top ten, three serviceable players in the top 10, and then nine playable to hit players in the 11 to 20 range, that's a good start. But we just got started. The talent in this draft was incredible, and we took it for granted in a lot of ways. We had five hits. I'm calling five hits in the 21 to 30 range in the 2017 draft. That includes Jared Allen, OG Ananobi, Kyle Kuzma, Derek White, and Josh Hart. And again, same thing as Luke Kennard. You can call Kyle Kuzma... Josh Hart, not on the same level of a hit as even John Collins, Bam Adebayo. But you're talking 21 to 30. Those guys, you sign up for that all day, every single day. That's five hits in the 21 to 30 range, 2017 draft. You got two serviceable players, maybe. Maybe one and a half, I don't know. Terrence Ferguson, who I wrote down here as Turd Ferguson, can't help myself. Serviceable, maybe, I don't know. He might be out of the league in two years. I gave him the benefit of the doubt. And Tony Bradley, who burst on the scene when Rudy Gobert got a little banged up and made some really, really impactful uh, games last year at the center position and a couple misses, three misses if, uh, to be exact. You get down to the second round, and here comes that story yet again. We love the idea of the second round pick. We love the idea of getting that third-year college player that we loved watching in the March Madness tournaments and say, nah, he's got what it takes to play in the league. Uh, most likely, he doesn't. Guess what happened in 2017 second round? We had two hits, Thomas Bryant and Monty Morris, and I'm calling two serviceable players, Semi Ojale and Jordan Bell. If you can do some quick math, that means 26 of the 30 picks in the second round of 2017 were misses. Not in the league. Not impactful. Not relevant. Now, granted, 2017 may have made up for it with a pretty star-studded first round with four hits in the top 10, four hits in 11 to 20, and five hits in 21 to 30. Let's move on to 2018. This 2018 draft also stacked with talent in the top 10, and this is rare. This is the highest number of hits in the top 10 that we've seen in the past six years. In fact, some of these guys made absolute splashes this year in the playoffs and regular season alike. That includes DeAndre Ayton, 
Luka Doncic, Jaron Jackson Jr., Trey Young, Wendell Carter. I'm calling him a hit. He can do a lot of things. He really showed out in Orlando, too. Colin Sexton, perhaps future Nick. Mikel Bridges, who just showed out in the playoffs as well. That is seven players in the top 10 of the 2018 draft who were absolutely knocked out of the park. From number one, DeAndre Ayton on the Suns, to number 10, Mikael Bridges on the Suns, and then Trey and Luka smushed in the middle there. That is a star-studded top 10. Two serviceable players as well, Marvin Bagley, the number two pick. It hurts now, thinking about all those guys who went after him, but let's be honest, Marvin Bagley's serviceable. He's never been a big, I've never been a big fan of his, of his game, but even I must admit, he's a serviceable player in this league and has, you know, another 8 to 12 years in his career in, in him. You got Mo Bamba, mixed bag, but he's done just enough to become serviceable, if you will. Unfortunately, a trend from 2017 with the misses in the top 10. Welcome back, your New York Knicks. We have Kevin Knox as the lone miss in the top 10 of the 2018 draft. That hurts. It stinks. Not going to lie. I was on that train. I wanted the Knicks to pick Kevin Knox. I thought it was a good pick. I said, pick him over Mikel Bridges. And am I eating my words? Yes, currently I'm doing that right now, eating my words. Let's move on to 11 to 20. In 11 to 20, we had five hits. Five hits. That is the most for any 11 to 20 range out of the last six years. Those hits include the likes of Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Miles Bridges, Michael Porter Jr., Dante DiVincenzo, and Kevin Herter. That's not bad. If you're talking 11 to 20 and you're coming home with Miles Bridges, Kevin Herter, even Dante DiVincenzo, you are walking away a happy, happy man. Add to that, we got three serviceable players in Troy Brown Jr., Lonnie Walker, Josh Koji. Two misses, unfortunately, Jerome Robinson. There's always going to be a couple. As you heard, there was only one group that had zero in all of the different groups, all the different segments of the last six rounds. That means there's hits in every segment, there's serviceable players in every segment, and there's misses in every segment, except the one top 10 had no serviceable players in 2016. So Jerome Robinson, Zaire Smith, who had a really unfortunate, unlucky career to this point with the injuries and health concerns. But we're moving on to 21 to 30. We had two hits in the 21 to 30 range of 2018, including Landry Shamit and Robert Williams. Four serviceable players, not too shabby in the 21 to 30 range. Grayson Allen, Aaron Holiday, Anthony Simons, Mo Wagner. Those are guys who you think about in this draft. You know, you got a guy who can play 18 minutes for you off the bench, occasionally drop in 20 points, hit a couple threes. You think you can take that at number 26 for sure. But you probably shouldn't expect a whole lot more as we'll get to in a minute. Four misses also added to that 2018, 21 to 30 range. In the second round, it was actually a very strong second round in 2018, adding to the highest hit rate in the top 10 of the past six years, the highest hit rate of 11 to 20 in the past six years. They also had tied for the highest hit rate in the second round in the past six years. I called five hits in the second round for Jalen Brunson, Devontae Graham, Mitchell Robinson, Gary Trent. Is that bad math? Is that just four people? It might just be four people. My math might be off. It might be 2.30 a.m. That's okay. We also had some serviceable players like Javon Carter, Hamadou Diallo, DeAnthony Melton, and Shake Milton. Could have probably argued maybe I had one of those guys in the wrong spot. 
doesn't really much matter. Nonetheless, there was at least 21 misses, perhaps 22, if my math was off. Let's move on to 2019. In 2019, it's a draft that feels like it was just yesterday, but some of these players have already proven to be hits in this draft. Let's talk about them. In the top 10 of 2019, we, of course, had Zion Williamson and the rookie of the year, John Morant, New York's own R.J. Barrett. How about DeAndre Hunter becoming a big-time player for the Atlanta Hawks last year? And I'm going ahead, and I'm calling Rui Hachimura a hit. He showed enough for me last year in Washington that I'm calling Rui a hit. You also got some serviceable players, man, for real. Darius Garland, he's proven to be a, a real player in this league. He's going to be around for a while. Same for Kobe White. Jackson Hayes may be in some uh, legal issues, which we're not going to talk about, but he's got a place in this league. He's serviceable. And Cam Reddish, I'll throw him into serviceable as well, despite some pretty rough offensive numbers. And some people attacking me based off my tweets today that I would like for the Knicks to take a trade at him. What? Well, I say why not if the price is right. But we'll call Cam Reddish serviceable for now. And, of course, another one of Pete's guys who in 2019 he said, hey, this guy's going to be pretty good. He's a miss. One miss in the top 10 of the 2019. And I remember vividly being on this podcast saying, you know, I really like Jared Culver. <sighs> well, you can't win them all, huh? Let's move on to 11 to 20. <laughs> we got a couple hits there as well and a couple serviceable players. Cam Johnson just saw him in the finals. I call him a hit. In, in the grand scheme, is he a star player? Absolutely not. But he is very much so a hit a starting caliber wing who can shoot the lights out, etc. P.J. Washington has proven enough to me. He's going to be a starting 4-3-4 guy in this league for a couple bunch of years to come. And Tyler Hero, who had an amazing rookie year, had a little bit of a setback, but we expect him to have a nice career as well, putting the ball in the basket. That's three hits in 11-20. Some of the serviceable guys here, Jumo Geeky, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Goja Patazzi, Matisse Teibel. If you just think about this, we're talking about these names, and yes, there's misses everywhere, but a lot of guys in every segment who are making impacts in the league. Some of the misses include Romeo Lankford, Sekou Domboya, and Lucas Amancic. Oh, 21 to 30. Gets a little bit iffy here. Don't feel great about this segment of 2019. And some of these players are still new, but I also don't see a lot of opportunity for these guys to move into hits. We only got two hits in this range, which would be the lowest that we've seen in uh, the 21-30 range in the past six years, tied with um, 2015 and 2016. Those guys include Brandon Clark and Keldon Johnson, Olympian. Shout out to him. The serviceable guys, pretty serviceable at best. Grant Williams, Jordan Poole. I do think, however, that this guy, Kevin Porter Jr., has a chance to move into the hit category, uh, but he's had some issues off the court. And, you know, a little bit on the court, but mostly off the court. He's actually been awesome when he's on the court. Some of the misses include Darius Baisley, Ty, Ty Jerome, Nasir Little, who have chance to move up, but they're misses for now. In the second round, however, we picked up some guys, and I'm calling five hits in 2019. Nick Claxton, Daniel Gafford, Eric Pascal, Talon Horton Tucker, and Terrence Mann. That's not bad, but remember, that's five out of 30. Couple more services got serviceable, ugh, serviceable guys like Cody Martin and Jalen McDaniels, and that leads us to 23 whiffs again in the second round. And now, last but not least, hopefully this wasn't too windy for you guys. 
We got last year's draft, which again, need to reiterate, a lot of guys have a lot to prove, a lot to make up, a lot of ground to make up, but here's what we got so far. I'm calling four hits in the first, uh, the top 10 of the first round of 2020. Anthony Edwards, LaMelo Ball, Patrick Williams, and Onyeka Okongwu. That's four hits. I think we could all agree there. Onyeka proved it in the playoffs. Patrick Williams was incredibly solid and showed great potential in the Bulls with the Bulls this season. LaMelo, obviously, and Anthony Edwards, I think we can all agree, despite some inefficiencies, ain't going anywhere, and he's putting up numbers for a minute now. Some of the serviceable players include James Wiseman, Isaac Okoro. I give my guy OB Toppin some serviceable love here, and it feels good. It feels nice. Now the Knicks can say after a Frankie Smokes whiff, a Kevin Knox whiff in 17 and 18, they got a hit in R.J. Barrett and at least a serviceable player in OB Toppin last season. And then Denny Avija, you know, he rounds out the serviceable players there. And again, I gave the Killian Hayes example earlier. He has a lot to prove. He's a miss right now on my books, but easily can move up to serviceable. And hey, why not a hit? Jalen Smith, Phoenix, you missed that one. But hey, remember, you had Cam Johnson on this list. You had Mikael Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker, all in these lists. So you can't get them all right. You get a Dragon Bender here, a Jalen Smith there. You'll take it with a little Devin Booker love. Moving on to 11 to 20. We got three hits. Guys like Tyrese Halliburton, Isaiah Stewart, Sadiq Bey, a couple serviceable guys, Devin Vassell, Kira Lewis, Aaron Naismith, Precious Ashwa. Not bad, right? And then you got a couple more guys there, misses right now, but maybe, maybe, maybe Cole Anthony, Alexiev Pokushevsky. They can possibly become serviceable. I think Cole Anthony very much will become serviceable. There just wasn't enough to show it in his rookie year just, just yet. There's a lot for him to prove still. Josh Green, whatever. 21 to 30 in 2020's draft. Surprisingly, some guys who I feel confident enough to call a hit or serviceable just after one year of their rookie season being picked late in the first round. Tyrese Maxey, Emmanuel Quickly, shout out to New York. We got another guy on the hit list. Peyton Pritchard and Desmond Bain. Some of the serviceable guys include Zeke Najee, if you haven't seen him for Denver. Very solid wing player. You will be hearing from him moving forward. R.J. Hampton started to do some things in Orlando. And Jaden McDaniel, same thing in Minnesota. And you always, of course, you got some misses. Leandro Balmero, Udoka Azabuki, Malachi Flynn. I've just been throwing so many names at you. I feel terrible right now. This must not be good radio, but I'm getting to the point, I promise. Second round, just two hits last year, to my estimation. Obviously, there's time. But we got Xavier Tillman, Kenya Martin Jr., guys who did some things last year that mattered, that put up some numbers, something that you can grab onto. And even though Kevin uh, Kenya Martin Jr. was on a bad team, he did a lot of transfer, transferable things. Got one serviceable guy, in my opinion, Saban Lee, who I don't even really know, but I looked at his numbers. And I was like, damn, he played a lot of minutes. Damn, he put up some stats. He did something. He was playing hard. He was doing some stuff. Serviceable, sure. That means 27 misses. But again, those guys were rookies. Of course, some guys come out of the woodworks and make it up into one of those other categories. So why did I do all this? Why did I just read 100 names at you? Hopefully, you know, you could have paid attention to enough names, put some connections there, but this is where it all comes into summation. It all starts to matter. Because now we can talk about the hit rate in these segments. We can talk about the serviceable rate in these segments. And most importantly, perhaps, the miss rate in all these segments. 
Because that may be the one we all fear the most for our teams, for our New York Knicks. As we saw the tale of two tapes again. Hits like RJ and Emmanuel Quickly. Maybe a serviceable guy like Obi Toppin. And two big old whiffs on guys like Frank Nilakina, Kevin Knox, when we passed up on the likes of Donovan Mitchell and Bam Adebayo. And then we passed up on Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Michael Porter Jr. And so on and so forth. So here's the summary. In the top 10 of the past six NBA drafts, there has been 29 hits out of 60. That is a 48% rate of hits. I don't know if that sounds good to you, but if you think about people saying, throwing around rhetoric, oh, you know, half the top 10 guys are good. Yeah, that's about right. And guess what? It's a little bit below half. So when you get very excited about your team's top 10 pick, you have to be careful because you could very much end up with Jalen Smith instead of LaMelo Ball. Perhaps, obviously, LaMelo was the number three pick and Jalen was the 10th, but it always works in mysterious ways. You can end up with Dragon Bender instead of Jamal Murray. You could end up with Frank Nilakina instead of De'Aaron Fox, and you can be one or two picks off, and it could swing years to come for your franchise. So there's a 48% hit rate in the top 10 of the past six drafts. There's a 26% serviceable rate, which with your quick math, that'll leave about 25% on the miss. So you get about 50% hits in the top 10, about 25% of guys who can play but aren't special, and about 25% of the guys who are just whiffs and out of the league by the time they meet their second contract. And as conventional wisdom may show, in 11 to 20, I think you may expect some of these numbers. Despite all the names you hear, the Tyrese Halliburton picked that number uh, in the 11 to 20 range, the Tyler Hero picked in the 11 to 20 range, Shea Gilgis Alexander, Michael Porter Jr., Donovan Mitchell, Bam Adebayo, DeMontis Sabonis. This would all get you excited, right? Devin Booker about picking 11 to 20. But as you can probably guess, the hit rate goes down from top 10 to 11 to 20. Based off my calculations, there are 21 hits in the past six years in the 11 to 20 range. That gives a 35%, 21 out of 60. But the serviceable number goes up from the top 10 to 11 to 20. So the serviceable number goes to 23 out of 60, which is 38%, 12 percentage points higher than the serviceable rate in the top 10. So does that make a lot of sense? In fact, it does. You have to lower your expectations a bit when you're picking in that range, but you have a chance to get somebody relevant. 75% chance to get a relevant player in the top 10, and you got just under a... 80% or math is hard. A seven. <laughs> what is 35 plus 38? Gosh, golly. A 73% chance to get someone relevant in the 11 to 20 range. Now, granted, less of those people are hits, but you still got someone of use with about 26% of the 
of the 11 to 20 range missing. In the 21 to 30 range, it goes down again on all accounts. Again, conventional wisdom striking once again. 17 out of 60 players in the 21 to 30 range are hits. That's 28%. 21 of 60 are serviceable. That's 35%. So yes, you think about Jared Allen and Emmanuel quickly. Even uh, a, a guy like Tyrese Maxey or Brandon Clark. Pascal Siakam, an all-star. OG Ananobi. These guys are good. But you're now seeing, based off the numbers, they are fewer and far between as time goes on in this draft. That leaves us 24 misses, our highest miss total, out of all three segments of the first round. That's giving us a 40% miss rate in the 21 to 30 range, leaving 60% of players as useful, right? So you go from over just about 75% of players useful in the top 10, just under 75% of players useful in the 11 to 20 range, and then just 60% of players useful in the 21 to 30 range. And we go on to the second round. Again, we get excited. Oh, we got the 38th pick. Oh, we got the 42nd pick. Hey, we got Mitchell Robinson. We'll probably do it again. Our scouting department knows how to do it. In fact, no. No one knows how to do it. No one can get this right consistently at all. And you may think of guys like Nikola Jokic, who, you know, he came before this list. He was drafted just before the whatever draft I started with here, the 2015 draft. And then, you know, you think of Mitchell Robinson. You think of Nick Claxton. You think of, uh, you know, Xavier Tillman, who just played a role for the Grizzlies last year, Gary Trent Jr. These guys matter, right? Well, of course they do matter. But they just matter 11.6% of the times. 21 out of 180 second-round picks in the past six years I consider hits. And again, I'm not calling a hit in the second round to be equal to a hit in the top 10. That's not what I'm doing here. Guys who are useful and hit Second-round picks, guys who can really play. Now, of course, some of them include guys like Jared Allen, but they also include guys like Eric Pascal or Terrence Mann, who just burst on the scene or just had some good moments or just getting started in their career. 16 of 180 players in the second round are serviceable. That means they're on rosters. They're not going anywhere. They can play. They ain't playing that much. That's 8%, actually 8.8, so let's call it 9 So 11% and 9%. Now, if you can do math, that means 80% of second-round picks over the last two years are misses. 80%. 143 out of 180 players misses. Now, I know that was a lot. Hopefully, it helped you uh, round up what you can hear tomorrow or tonight when you watch the draft, when you appreciate the draft, and you think about these players, and you get excited about somebody that the Knicks pick at pick 21. Now you can know. You can tell. Tell your buddies. Hey, there's only like a 28% chance that this guy's going to be good. Like, you know, maybe like a 35% chance he's going to be okay. But there's less than 30. It's less than a third of the players in the 21 to 30 range who are actually ends up being hits. You know, about 40% miss. And you'd be like, what? Dude, guys would be like, what? What do you got? What do you got? Numbers on these guys? Yeah, I do actually. Subway Sports Talk. You got to listen to it. You learn some things every once in a while. That's, that's what you got to do tomorrow. You can sound real smart. You know, top 10 picks go. 
And, you know, you like Jalen Green, you like Jalen Suggs, whatever. And then John the Kaminga goes, you're like, yeah, he's probably going to be a miss, though. 25% of top 10 picks are misses. People be like, what? What do you know? You do got numbers on this, don't you? Yeah, that's right. You're welcome. <laughs> this is Subway Sports Talk. Let's talk about some Knicks prospects here real quick. I'm just going to spend like five more minutes because like I mentioned twice already, you boys got to go to sleep soon. There are a couple of players that I'm targeting here for the New York Knicks. And I'm looking at point guards. I'm just going to be honest here. At the 19 and 20 pick, I assume they're only going to take one point guard and they'll probably go for a wing, maybe some, some big help. But what I'm locking in on here is which of these point guards are the Knicks going to go for. Now there's rumors they're trying to trade up for Chris Duarte or trade up for somebody else. That's very possible. I don't know if trading 19 and 21, which are their two picks, to get to pick 11 is worth it, especially if you give up more than those two picks. But I'm going under the assumption right now they're going to end up picking at 19 and 21, even though they most likely will not. They most likely will not. But perhaps they trade up on one front, they trade down on another front, they package those two picks to move up one place and get someone, and then they do some other things to get into the late first round. There's a lot of possibilities here, but there's a lot of possibilities for these five point guards to be, actually these six point guards, I should say, to be anywhere from 15 to 35. And that is how big of discrepancies we have on a lot of these players in the draft, specifically some of these point guards. So let's go through them really quickly here. First, we're going to talk about Sharif Cooper. We talked about him on on Tuesday's pod with Glenn Johnson. He's been one of the guys linked to the Knicks the most. And unfortunately, I must say this, he is perhaps my least favorite prospect out of this group. Now, part of that is due to where he's projected. He's ranked highest on a lot of these lists. And maybe that's why I don't like him as much because you put a little bit more emphasis on somebody who's ranked higher. But this is why I don't like the guy, unfortunately. Not that I don't like the guy. I actually really like the guy. I like how he plays, all that stuff. But I don't like what his statistics are telling me, what my eye test tells me about that jump shot. It's broke. It's broke. His jump shot is not good. It's not pretty. My guy shot 22% from three last year. Now, he has a very good handle. He has incredible vision in the pass game. He led the, the nation in assists, I think, last year, 8.8 assists a game. He might he might have not led the nation in assists, but it sounds good. So 8.8 assists per 36 minutes, really awesome numbers. He was a great passer. You watch his tape and you say, damn, this guy knows where all his teammates are. The problem with that is he shot 39% from the field, and like I mentioned, 22% from three. The jumper doesn't look particularly fluid. The only saving grace is that he was 82% from the free throw line. But here's where I do not love Sharif Cooper's prospects going into the NBA. He got to the free throw line a good bit in college. He uh, put in good efficiency at the line there, but I don't trust that the playmaking will be able to be put on display with the inability to shoot the ball, the inability to truly finish consistently around the rim. You know, it's 39% from the field. It's not very good. So, yes, the playmaking is special. I don't know if it'll ever reach its fruition without the ability to put the ball in the hoop. 
We've seen it with many guys. We've seen it in our own backyard with Alfred Payton. And I'm not ready to go down that way again. The next guy is Jaden Springer. And I'm going to be honest, I was very underwhelmed by this guy's tape. I watched it and I just thought, this is a nice, nice guy, like nice player. Decent size, decent playmaking skills, decent shot making skills. Very, very average across the board, in my opinion. Pretty good defense. That's probably his best attribute. But there just wasn't a lot of special when I watched Jaden Springer's tape on YouTube. So Jaden Springer, I'm putting in the category of, I'm good. Sharif Cooper is the guy who's probably lowest on my totem pole here of point guards who I want the Knicks to target. Jaden Springer is right ahead of him in the realm of, like, I really don't think he's a great target, especially at 19 or 21. I think he's a great target at 34, 35. We don't have a pick there. The guy who I do love, however, and I'm going to put him number one on my point guard target list at the 1921 range. And even if it was at the 16 range, even honestly, one to one, this is my favorite point guard that the Knicks can realistically get. Now, obviously Jalen Suggs is incredible. Ain't talking about him. The Knicks aren't getting there. And Josh Giddy is technically a point guard and we ain't getting there either at this point in time. So we're not talking about those two guys that have them ranked above this dude. And this is Baylor's, Jared Butler, not Baylor's Davion Mitchell, who also is ranked a little too high. Don't think he'll make it to the Knicks, so we're not going to talk about him. But Baylor's Jared Butler. This guy is, you know, 6'4", average wingspan, so also 6'4". He played until his junior year, so yes, that could be looked at as a red flag. But when you watch this guy play, he's so incredibly solid in every phase of the game. And what I love about him the most is the dude can shoot and shoot volume. He took a bunch of, I think he took six threes a game. Yeah, six threes a game. He shot 41%. He shot 47% from the field. He also shot just under 80% from the free throw. So that translates to a good NBA jumper. And he didn't shoot three threes a game in college. He shot six threes a game. He has really solid playmaking skills. He played on one of the best defenses in the league, has good size, good frame, plays hard. I like Jared Butler a lot. I don't know how else to put it. He's my number one point guard target in this range. And that moves me to three guys who I have remaining to talk about for the Knicks, and then I'm saying goodbye. Three point guards, one ranked lower than the other in in a way, right? They're not ranked 19th. They're not ranked 16th with a chance to fall to 21. These guys are mostly ranked from like 24 to 46. But I have seen one of the guys ranked a little bit higher with possibly is going late first round. So let me start with the highest ranked guy. That's Trey Mann. Trey Mann had a growth spurt last year. He's a sophomore out of Florida. He went from 6'2", uh, sorry, yeah, 6'2", to 6'4". He can really shoot it. He loves to shoot it. He shot a bunch of threes last year. He shot a bunch of mid-range jump shots last year. He shot 40% from three, 83% from the free throw line, which is a great indicator for him. But as far as point guards are concerned, he is the least likely to become a great playmaker, a great, great setup man for his teammates. He's a scorer, in my opinion, which is something that is very much so needed on the New York Knicks. But I don't know if it's the guy who I want to target here when there's somebody else 
who I might be a bit more interested in. Second, Io DeSumno. Talked about him for a second last week that I liked him in college, so I went back in and I deep dove on his tape, and the more I think about it, the more I say this guy can play at the next level. I think he has a chance if he goes in the second round to be one of the 12% of picks to actually work out, to become a hit. The guy who I think about is somebody who was drafted at the very, very, very end of the first round and was on this very list. That's DeLon Wright, who was picked in that 21 to 30 range uh, a handful of years back. I'm trying to find what year it was, but it doesn't matter. Sorry, he was picked in the 11 to 20 range, a little higher than I thought. DeLon Wright is a solid, solid NBA player. He can shoot it. He could defend. He can play make a little bit. Not a lot, but he can play make a little bit. He can put the ball on the ground. He has good touch. He has good feel for the game. He's not going to blow your socks off. He's not going to you know, do anything crazy to impress you on a night-to-night basis. But when you watch him on a night-to-night basis, you know, I like when that guy's in the game. He makes positive plays. I like what he can do with the basketball in his hands. I like how he can shoot off the catch in the corner. He can do a little bit off the dribble. He can play make a little bit. It's really a solid player. Now, do I think the Knicks should go for him at 21? I do not. I do not. But I do like Ayo. I do think he has a chance to make it in this league. He's got the 6'4 frame. He's got a long, he's a 6'5. Says he's got a 6'10 wingspan on the site I'm looking at right now. I don't know how accurate that is, but if that's true, he might be 21 and a half years old right now, which is a little bit older than you want to draft your players here. But that is a frame that works in the NBA. The shooting touch, which was 39% on, a, on f- I think, three or four attempts last year per game, just under 80 from free throw, transferable skills. That's what he's got. That's what I see at Ayudusumna. But last but not least, this is a guy who I was very excited to watch, and I was not disappointed. West Virginia's Miles McBride. I've seen him ranked as high as 28. I've seen him ranked as low as nearly 50. That's a huge discrepancy. What happened? I don't know. He's six two and a half. He's got a six nine wingspan. He's a grinder on defense. He shot the lights out last year, forty one percent from three on a good chunk of, of attempts per game, over eighty percent from the free throw line, and led his team in assists. Helped out with rebounding and absolutely grinded on defense. Now again, he's a sophomore here. So the only freshman point guard that we discussed is Sharif Cooper. So another second-year guy. We're talking that 21 range. Probably is a reach. Probably, almost definitely is a reach for him at 21. But if you can get back into that second round, Ayo Dusumna, Miles McBride at 35, 38, depending on the price to get to that spot, you can now focus 19 or 21 or what remains of those after trades perhaps on wings, on bigs, on shooting. And then you could target a point guard here in the second round and take that 20% chance to find a serviceable player and go for Miles McBride. He's one of the guys I would bet on. Ayo Dusumnu, one of the guys I would bet on in that 20% of the second round to be successful. That's all I got. It's just me. I went longer than I wanted to, of course. 
I read more names than I wanted to, of course. But hopefully you can uh, finish up this pod, have some statistics, have some good feel about what's going to go down in this draft, what matters, what's smoke and mirrors, and what is what are the likely outcomes when we finally finish draft night tomorrow. There's obviously so many other things that could happen, like Ben Simmons being traded, Bradley Beal being on the block, Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum. It's all speculation there. There's big packages being asked for all over the place. And who knows? We could see multiple stars move tomorrow night. We could see no stars move tomorrow night. But what I do know is that about 50% of the top 10 picks are going to work out. They're going to hit. And about 75% of them are going to be useful players in this league. And as you go down the draft, the percentages dwindle a little bit each time you move down from 50% hits in the top 10, 35 in the 11 to 20, and 28 in the 21 to 30, and then all of a sudden 12 hits, 12% hits in the second round. That's what we can expect tomorrow because that's what the past six years have taught us. All right, that's enough out of me. I need to go to bed. Subway Sports Talk, it's 3 a.m. You guys are great. If you listen to this, shout out to you. I appreciate you greatly. Enjoy the draft. We're back with MLB trade deadline talk next week. NBA free agency talk. Can you believe that that's here? Plus post draft thoughts next week. And then football is so close. I can almost taste it. Big things coming right here on SST. Cheers, everybody.